Well, this morning, I want to consider some of the aspects of heaven's beauty. And, you know, what really struck uh, or kind of birthed this message was when we were in Bali, you know, we saw a lot of just so many aspects of like beautiful plants and flowers. And, you know, it was, of course, it's a tropical place, but we were just taking all these pictures of all the like these exotic plants and, you know, these beautiful things. And it kind of got me thinking of the beauties of heaven and how beautiful heaven will be, you know, and that we'll experience for eternity, um, you know, and, and I was just kind of reminded how earth is just a shadow and type, right? I don't think when we get to heaven, we're not going to, it's not like we're getting to some alien place that we don't recognize. I think we're going to recognize everything there. It's just going to be amplified in beauty and purity and glory. And, you know, and so we want to experience and recognize the glories of heaven. And we, we kind of, we can do that by seeing some of the glories on earth, some of the beauty on earth. But, you know, the thing about heaven is that there is a sense of qualification to experience the glory of heaven, right? We enter into, into heaven through Christ who is the door, but then there's levels of glory. And in the same sense, there's levels of beauty, right? Because we experience Christ and we qualify to go on with Christ through our, based on our life here on earth. And of course, we can understand that through uh, the tabernacle of Moses, seeing the progression of the believer through the, the various sections of the tabernacle from the outer court to the holy place, and then within the veil of his presence to live in his presence. And eat. of course, there's many things that speak of our, what, what the work that Christ wants to do in our heart. And really, when it comes down to it, it's all about a work of beauty. It's a work of Christ. In fact, I think that's one of the songs by Pastor Holmes. My one cry is that Christ would be seen in me. And that's really what it's about. Lord, let your beauty be seen in me. And so there's, there's that qualification. There's that work of beauty. You know, the greatest beauty is in his presence. And of course, that's what Paul was talking about. We talked about the third heaven. And there were some marvelous statements that he wanted to share but the, the Corinthian church at that moment could not receive them. Um, you know, he, they, he, he said there were truths they couldn't utter. You know, and Paul said, I fear for you, you Corinthians. You know, it, he feared for them because they were not progressing in the beauty of Christ, in the beauty of his kingdom. Um, instead, they were folk, you know, he said he feared because when he came, he would behold, instead of beauty, he would behold envy strife, uh, debating, backbiting, gossip, and you know, all of the, all of those things, which are really ugly characteristics, right? When you see that in someone's like, mm, that's not a good quality. You know, they're, they're not pleasing in God's sight. Of course, that was, that was in second Corinthians 12. Um, and so we, as humans, we can have our reactions, right? And even in my own life, I can reflect on times where Perhaps I didn't have a good reaction to a situation and, you know, maybe a lack of patience or frustration. And when it comes out, you know, sometimes my, my thought is, well, that wasn't beautiful. <laughs> In fact, that was ugly. <laughs> you know, when Christ saw that, he was not saying, oh, that was that was nice. He was saying, that's a, that's a bride that's displaying qualities that are not 
pleasing. They're not pretty. In fact, they're ugly, right? And so, you know, there's outer beauty and there's inner beauty, and we know which one counts in eternity. It's not the outward, right? And so, you know, you can see someone who's naturally beautiful, but then they can open their mouth and they can say something, you know, or do something immature or even cruel, and it totally changes your perspective of that person because you saw something, you saw the revelation of what was within. And so when this ugliness manifests in our lives, I, I appreciate the blood of Christ that can wash that away and, and it can wipe out the history of our ugliness, right? The memory of that. But really, you know what it's representing? It's representing a lack, right? When that ugliness pops out, we can say, oh God, I'm sorry, forgive me. But really, that's coming out because there's a lack of his beauty, a lack of the beauty of Christ in us that he wants to impart into us in this life, right? Because we're called to be the bride. That's our calling is to enter into that place. But, you know, the bride is not just a place. Well, that's the church, the bride. The bride is beautiful and glorious, right? And so when we... You know, when we come to Christ as a part of his bride, it's because a work of beauty has been done in us. And that really in our life should be our prayer. Lord, do your work of beauty in me. I want to, I want to be beautiful, not because of anything I've done or me, but because of your work in me. You know, cause your beautiful characteristics, your reactions of meekness, patience, long-suffering, love, and so on. Let them be seen in me. You know, you know one of the, the first things God created on earth was a garden to display the beauty of his creation. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about heaven and people's you know, visions of heaven and so forth. And, you know, of course, I, I realize visions people have are based on personal revelation. God gives to them, it's not gospel, but they can be instructive because they can give us a perspective of, of the beauty and the glory of heaven and what God has prepared for us. Of course, we can always fall back, well, we always do fall back on the word of God and we see, you know, some of the instruction God gives to us in the description in some of those plants that are in heaven. And, and I'm, I'm going to look at, at some of the various plants that can be found in heaven and that are described in the, in the word of God. And so the first plant I want to consider is grass. Grass. And, you know, many people have had visions of heaven. They describe how beautifully green it is, just filled with fields of grass. And, and the grass is very unique. You know, one person described it in, a, in an experience they had in heaven is that you step on it, it just springs right back. They actually described it as beautiful velvet, soft and springy. Now, our grass in Florida springs back, but it's not exactly velvet, right? <laughs> it's, it's not really pleasant to lay. You know, sometimes up north, you can lay in a field of grass, and it was, I don't know what variation, Kentucky bluegrass or whatever, but it's nice and soft. In Florida, we have St. Augustine. It's a little rough on you, but it does spring back. <laughs> but, but, you know, in heaven, it's just so beautiful. It's soft and it's, and it just covers the fields. And, you know, grass can represent a few things in, in the word of God, but 
it does represent the people of God. It represents, um, you know, God working in his people and populating heaven with his, his people, those who follow him and believe on his name. You know, it says in Job 5.25, it says, you shall also know your descent, uh, you shall also know that your descendants shall be many and your offspring like the grass of the earth. You know, righteous Job is going to have an offspring like the grass of the earth. And of course, that's talking about a spiritual, you know, there's a spiritual seed that Job has through his testimony. You know, and so throughout all the ages, God has the, you know, the people of God have been planted in his kingdom and have sprung up unto everlasting life. You know, and God is, you know, at the end of the matter, he's going to receive a vast crop of uh, unto himself because it talks about in Revelation that it uh, that heaven is is like a great multitude that no man can number. It's like the you know counting the blades of grass in a field. It's impossible to do it. You know you lose count because you know how do you know where you've counted? It's that's heaven is going to be so full. And the prophet Isaiah also has a significant verse that shows us what the Lord is doing when He deposits His word in us. Isaiah 51, 16 says, I have put my words in your mouth. I've covered you in the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. Now that's, that's the desire of God. He wants to put his word into the heart of his creation that he can plant the heavens and say, you are my people. And so I imagine there's going to be many assemblies in heaven where we're just going to surround the throne with a multitude that cannot be numbered because he has planted the heavens through his word that has been received into the heart of, of man. You know, and so we, he says, plant the heavens and God has planted, but it also gives us a perspective of, of our part, you know, of the activity of the heavenly kingdom as we are to plant, right? Because, the seeds of the word of God are put within us, and our job is to go out and scatter those seeds. Like in, in uh, Luke 8, for, in verse 5, reading a certain translation says, a, a sower or a farmer went out to scatter seed in a field. And that's our job description as believers, right? Really, that's it. We are to scatter seed in a field. And, you know, in, in reality, our job is not to convert or change. That's our goal. That's our hope that when we speak to people about Christ, there is a conversion and a change. But, but really, our job is just seed scatterers. We speak, we give a testimony, and it's planting seeds in the life of people so that hopefully it falls on good ground and springs up unto everlasting life. And, you know, there's, there's much we could say about grass, but for time's sake, um, I, I want to look at two other types of plants, but, you know, grass is so important. It basically holds the soil in place, right? The, the ground, you know, when grass is gone, the ground is free to be blown up. And, you know, that's the great dust bowl happened because so many farmers plowed up the ground and the ground got lifted up into the heavens, right? And so grass, the abundance of grass is the stabilization of the earth. And so, uh, you know, grass is, is a good thing. 
but it also needs nutrients and water and sunlight in order to maintain its place. And, and actually, that's, that's one of the, the issues with grass um, because sometimes grass it does not display longevity, right? It's not enduring, especially if I forget to turn my watering system on. Our grass did not endure. It died out. You know, 1 Peter 1.24 says, All flesh is like the grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls. And so as beautiful as, as grass is, it is tenuous in its life. Right? It can be here one day, gone the next, and withered. And, and so the spiritual position of grass is not necessarily something we want to remain at in that sense. There's a progression as we can see by considering the next plant, you know, is trees. And many people have seen pictures of trees in heaven and they're just, you know, full of good, perfect tasting fruit. You know, people have tasted in dreams or visions. We can read about experiences how they tasted the fruit of heaven. They said it's, it's more real and vivid than anything you can imagine. I'm looking forward to that because I enjoy, I enjoy good fruit on earth when it's ripe. Now, sometimes you, you're like, oh, I'm so looking forward to this, and you bite into an apple. Oh, that's disappointing. But in heaven, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be so tasty. But, you know, the Word of God has much to say about trees and their relationship to believers. Right? In fact, we can read in, in Isaiah 61 and verse 3, kind of tells us our our part as the planting of the Lord, it says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And so that's the progression that God wants to lead us into in our Christian journey, that we become strong in the ways of God and enduring. And of course, I'll, I'll never forget what Pastor Bailey once shared with me as I was just kind of sitting in the dining hall and he, he happened to come out and he shared something with me uh, that the Lord had quickened with, to him. And he, and he said, the Lord was speaking of something greater than a teacher of righteousness. And he's like, well, a teacher of righteousness, isn't that what we're about? To raise up teachers of righteousness? And the Lord said, but there's something greater. It's being a tree of righteousness. Because we can be teachers and teach others and instruct others, but just be like a signpost pointing the way, but not be living it. But that's the difference between a tree of righteousness. A tree is planted. It's established. It is what it bears. It's bearing fruit of itself. And so there's that progression of a work of righteousness being formed in our lives so that we're planted deep in the ways of God, firmly connected and established. And, you know, that's one of the qualities of a tree that kind of sets trees apart from other plants is their longevity, their ability to endure. I mean, there's, there are literally trees on earth that are close to a thousand years old and they're still alive, which is kind of amazing to think about, you know? And so there, you know, trees are able to endure for a long time. Their roots go down deep. They've tapped into underground sources and springs and they might go through difficulties and winds and storms, 
But in one sense, that just strengthens, strengthens them. It causes their roots to go down even deeper. And because they're committed to God's work of righteousness, to doing what's right and following the Lamb and standing in that, they endure. And I would encourage you what, you know, sometimes it seems as if things are moving at a glacial pace for what you're praying for or crying out for. Um, welcome to the life of a tree. You can never see it grow, but it is growing. And nutrients is flowing and sap is coming up and things are happening. But, you know, uh, the life of a tree is not fast moving, but it continues. And in that growth of a tree, it experiences storms. And it's interesting how people, you know, scientists have cut trees apart and they can tell what the season was like based on the, on the, on the rings you know, in those trees, they can see, oh, that was, a, that was a dry season. But it's like a tree takes it all in its stride and it becomes a part of its DNA and its, and its story and its history. But that tree endures. And so, you know, in that growth of a tree, it experiences many things, but it endures and it's able to. Reminds me of a quote from Winston Churchill. He had a few good ones. But Churchill said this, he said, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. You know, and so that's what really what matters, the ability to continue, to hold on as trees of righteousness. Of course, there's times where we're crying out, Lord, help me to continue. Give me grace and strength. Give me the strength of a tree of righteousness to endure and to be rooted when there's much pressure and wind trying to push me over and, and so forth. But if we let our delight be in Him, we will continue and will be fruitful. As it says in, in Psalm 1 and verse 1, in the familiar passage of a tree here, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but doesn't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Here's, here's a tree that's rooted. And in his law does he meditate day and night, and he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his seasons. His leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. That's the message of true prosperity. It's being a tree of righteousness. And we experience that prosperity because we are planted. We are the planting of the Lord. We're rooted in him. We are rooted in doing what is pleasing in his sight. We're following the lamb wherever he leads us. And we tap into him. Actually, we, we don't have a choice. We tap into him or we die. And a tree of righteousness just sends its roots down and it taps in to that river and it receives life and prosperity. And we, then we endure the droughts. They might be written in our story in the rings of our lives, but that just becomes a part of our story because we endure, because we've tapped into him. There's much more we could talk about concerning trees and being trees of righteousness, but I want to look at one last category of plants. And really this contains all of the plants in it because it's that thought of a garden, of the garden of flowers. And, you know, of course, many people have had visions of heaven and seen the beautiful gardens that are there and, you know, Pastor Bailey understood that 
there's actually levels in heaven of gardens that are some are even more beautiful than others, and you have to qualify to enter into those gardens that are of a greater level of beauty based on the beauty that's been worked in our lives. And so there's that qualification that it's through the beauty of Christ being worked in us that we're going to qualify for those greater levels of the beauty of heaven. You know, this thought of the garden is really central to the Word of God, isn't it? It's, it's the central to His kingdom. It was the first place of abiding. When you think about the presence of God abiding, when He established His abiding place on earth, it wasn't in a tabernacle. It wasn't in a temple. It was in a garden where He wanted to have a relationship with man. And of course, man let sin in and that destroyed the work. And, and really, you say, well, why did that happen? That is a picture. It's a warning to us of what can take place, you know, if we're not rooted in righteousness, as Adam and Eve were not. Right? They were more like the grass, and they let sin in. And, you know, but it's also a picture of what he's going to restore a man back to our place of restoration is the garden, of having that as, as the abiding place. But it's not just a place of glory, it's a place of beauty. It's a place where he wants to establish his beauty in us, and he dwells with us in the garden of our heart. And, you know, when you think about it, what, that's one of the, the differentiating factors, right, between us and the rest of creation, right? The world would say, you know, we're just one aspect of, of the world, life in the world, right? We're no different than monkeys or whatever they would say. But, you know, I've never seen a monkey that appreciates the beauty of a garden. That's something God put within us. It's innate. It's in our DNA, right? No matter who we are, we can come into a beautiful garden and recognize, wow, this is a nice place. This is pretty, this is a well-tended garden. It's beautiful. You can bring... Whatever aspect, another part of creation in there, and they just, they're looking for food or they're looking for a hiding place. They don't recognize the beauty. And so the Lord loves beautiful gardens. And it's really a picture of what our Heavenly Father is looking for in our lives. He's coming to each believer, and He's coming to His church to restore and to build up the garden of the Lord. Another verse in Isaiah, Isaiah has a lot to speak of the, of the plants of heaven. Isaiah 51, 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He'll make her wilderness like Eden and her des desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found there and thanksgiving in the voice of melody. In the natural, one day Israel won't be a desert any longer. It'll be the garden of the Lord. And that'll be a, a sight to behold. You know, of course, that's going to be in the millennium, right? Hopefully we'll have our heavenly bodies and we'll, we'll have seen the gardens in, in heaven by then, hopefully. But, you know, that's natural Israel is only a type and a picture of the beauty he wants to, to work in our lives. And he wants us to experience that he wants to make our hearts like a garden to develop those beautiful flowers 
those plants that really represent his characteristics in us. And of course, we can, we can read about the beauty that he wants to put within us in that sense of, you know, the fruit that he, he wants in us. Um, you know, of the plants in Song of Solomon 4.12, it says, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. And that, that's a picture of us. We're to be a garden enclosed, built up by the walls of salvation. But think about, you know, if you, if you stop at the walls of salvation, what do you have? An empty plot of land with a wall around it. That's not beautiful. And so as we come to Christ, he builds up the wall, but then he wants to plant. Of course, he might have to till up. You might have to till the ground, maybe pull out some weeds, and then he can plant and put his beauty in us. The plants of the orchard are of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, campfire, spikenard, saffron, calamus, cinnamon, all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, streams from Lebanon. That's a beautiful picture of what he wants to put within us and the work he wants to do. Now, mankind tends to think of things through the lens of action and accomplishments. But I think when we get to heaven, you know, what will be important is what we've allowed God to develop within us. Because actions and, you know, and, and accomplishments can be very deceiving because sometimes they're few and far between or you're, you know, you don't see a lot of activity in the natural and you think, well, is anything happening? Is, is any work taking place? But yet it's the hidden work. That's actually one of the parables. You know, Lord, we're not, see, we're not seeing any, any growth, but yet, you know, it happens in those stages and in the season that God has, that he wants to, these heavenly plants to take root in our hearts and bear fruit through the kingdom of God. And of course, we know what the fruit is in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so here are the nine plants or the nine fruits of the Spirit that the Father loves to behold in the garden of the hearts of His people. And you know, at various stages of our journey, God might focus on a single one that he wants to develop, you know, a specific fruit. Seems in this season of my life, the Lord's speaking about meekness a lot. I think he's, he's wanting to cultivate the ground in a certain area of my garden to grow meekness. And, you know, but meekness is it's one of the qualities we need. If we want to be hid in the day of the Lord's anger, we need meekness. And so we have to allow God time in our hearts to develop his beautiful fruits because we'll, we'll not just be blessed in heaven, we'll be blessed on earth when this fruit is in us because it affects our lives, it affects our journey, it affects our eternity. And of course, you can go through many experiences where that fruit is being developed and also tested. Right? It's being worked in you in order to be developed. And but when it is, it's eternal. It's something you possess for a trillion years from now. I just try, kind of increase the number. Uh, it's hard for me to grasp what a trillion is, but we're gonna. We're, at some point, we're gonna say, "Hey, it's been a trillion years since we lived on Earth." I don't. 
You know, I don't know what that's going to mean. And then we have an infinity beyond that. And we will, be, we will be rejoicing that in that little split second that is our life on earth, we allowed God to work his meekness and his love and his patience in us because we'll possess those things for all eternity. You know, but what I felt to emphasize this morning was just this progression of beauty and strength that God wants to develop in the hearts of his people. You know, we can be planted in the kingdom of heaven, you know, as the purposes of God are to plant the heavens and to fill his kingdom with a multitude that cannot be numbered like the blades of grass. God is going to do it. But there's so much more. Because God wants us to be established to become a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. As we give ourselves to his river, to the flow of his spirit, and we put our roots down to tap in to his life, we'll be able to endure through all seasons. And even more than that, there's a beauty. You know, it's one thing to to be righteous and to do what's right. But there's a beauty that goes beyond just doing what's right in God's sight. And this life is an opportunity for that beauty to be developed and seen in us. You know, heaven is a beautiful place, but nothing compares and can come close to the beauty of Christ that can be seen in us. And so this life is an opportunity for Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so let's ask the Lord, Lord, lead me into that progression of beauty and to put within my life those wonderful qualities that will show forth the beauty of heaven in our creator. And we will possess that for all eternity. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you are the beautiful one. Lord, you manifested all of these qualities when you were on earth. Lord, you displayed the beauty of heaven for all to see and so that we can also experience that and enter into it. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would cause us to experience that progression of the beauty of heaven as we see in these plants and, Lord, we see in what they represent in our lives. Lord, do that work. Make us trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Do that work within us that we can endure. But Lord, we recognize the purpose of enduring is so that you establish your work of beauty in our hearts. Lord, we want to experience all of the beauty of heaven. Help us to qualify. Do that work within us. That we, Lord, that your beauty would be seen in us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.